y'all doing? Good day, bad day, we got thumbs up, thumbs down, nobody wants to say. Gotcha, okay, I gotcha. Before we get started, uh, we got a, a little handout just so you can follow along if you'd like to. I, I didn't have those available before you walked in, so uh, if you don't want that, just throw it away somewhere else. How about that? Thing. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, seeing Kara reminded me that uh, our two local high school bands did real well in their state competitions. Uh, Callaway finished second in their division, and Murray finished third, if I'm not mistaken, in their division. So uh, that's that's really my my sister uh, was in the the band in our high school. She was the drum major. She played in the racer band at Murray State, and and uh, so I I've, I've been to several band competitions. They're actually if you've never been to one of those, if you if you if you're looking for something that's really good entertainment and, and you can kind of just be relaxed with it and come and go and that kind of thing, if your band's not playing, a band competition is actually pretty cool. And uh, so anyway, congratulations to, to those. I know we have a few of our students that are involved with that, so, uh, so congratulations. Thanks for being involved with something at school. I think that's, that's good. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. I know that when we approach a subject like the change we really need in our schools, some of you show up just because this is what you do on Sunday night. So I appreciate you being here. Understand that. Some of you probably think, well, good grief. How in the world is this going to apply to me? I don't know. I'm going to walk away with anything. I'm just going to put my time in and nod and smile and make you feel good. And that's fine, too. But I, I hope that as we approach this subject tonight, that we'll all take some ownership over what we can do to help the students that are attending Elm Grove be the people that God wants them to be in their schools. I hope that, that you don't view your role as because you're out of high school or you're maybe done raising your kids or your kids aren't quite there yet, so to speak. You know, I have really young kids. Or, or maybe you just say, you know what, I just uh, I didn't care about school anyway. Even when I was in it, why should I now? I hope that, that the approach you take is, is one of, of this is our responsibility to help our kids, however they can, change their schools and be a part of that. And, and to help those who are employed by the school system as a teacher, administrator, uh, anybody to, to, to help out our school system. And, and I think that the scripture we'll look at tonight, I think if, if you'll read it with the understanding that, that we're going to look at it from the perspective of how this can apply to our students going out into their schools, but it also says a whole lot more just about our lives in general. I think the principles we'll look at tonight cross over very easily into just our lives and the people that we come into contact with. And and just the change that we hope to produce in the world around us. Many of you know I was a high school teacher for about four years, and I coached baseball as well while I was doing that. That's what my degree was in at Murray State, was history and secondary education. And, and I remember getting into the classroom and being anxious to get started those first couple of days. And, and as I kind of uh, got into the swing of things and so on, I, I was a world history teacher. Now, I don't know if any of you took world history when you were in high school, but 
it's pretty bad when your teacher doesn't even like the subject that, that he's trying to teach you. I, I, I couldn't stand world history. I, I love U.S. history, especially from, from about 1900 on, mainly 20th century, and, and in particular the time around World War II. And, and that, that's what I just, that's my favorite part of history. And, and so world history, going back to the Renaissance and the Reformation, I mean, just, it, it just was boring to me. Now, some of you just thrive on world history, even the ancient stuff, and I'm thankful I didn't have to teach the ancient stuff. I got to teach from, from 1500 on. I'm, I just rushed through it to get to the 20th century. Those kids didn't learn anything but 20th century because that's all I cared about. And so I remember this one little girl came up to me, and, and she, she reminded me a, a lot of myself, I guess, in, in school. I always tried to do the best I could, and yet some things were just boring. I mean, that's just the way it is. When I was in high school, I was a senior, and, and uh, I took a humanities class. You ever taken humanities? And, and if you like humanities, please forgive me. But it's just, it's just boring. And, and my wife taught humanities, and for some reason, I think she likes it. I just think, my goodness. Anyway, and, and I remember being in humanities class my senior year, and I sat in the front row because my, my last name starts with a B. It's the only reason I was in the front row of humanities class. That was it. Or else I would have been in the back where the lady couldn't see me sleeping. And so here I am sitting in, in, in senior humanities, and, and it, about midway through the class period, I'm telling you, it was boring to start with. Midway through, it was real boring. And so I was kind of sitting like this, and, and slowly but surely my head got a little bit heavier. My eyes got real heavy, and I started to kind of, sink down just a little bit and and had there not been a piece of paper under my right elbow I probably would have slept just like that through the end of the class period and instead my head got heavier and heavier my elbow started to slide just a little bit and boom all of a sudden that paper slid out from under my arm and my head hits a desk and that paper just kind of flies up and just like this and I, I looked around you need to talk about being embarrassed you know I'm in the front row it's not like I was hiding in the back and and, and then when I got to be a teacher, this little girl came up to me, and like I said, she reminded me of myself, tried to do hard, you know, good hard work, but just was bored out of her mind. And she came up to me, and she said, real nice, real sense. She said, you know, it, it, it's not that you're boring. It's just that the class is boring. And I thought, well, that's just a subtle way of telling me I'm boring. Thanks a lot. And so, you know, school was, school was, was something maybe for some of you you just kind of tolerated to get through. And my school experience was tough at, at times. I went to four elementary schools and three different middle schools, and then finally one high school and one university. I was happy to settle down. And, and so I look back on my school experience, and, and, and for, for, for some, you may look back and say, well, you know, I think I got all of it that I could. I, I did the, the best I could, and I got the most out of it. And, and then you look at your children, your grandchildren, or your, your, your neighbors around you, and you just think, you know, I wonder how much really they're, they're taking it seriously, how good a student they are. And, and I think far beyond that, I think, I think looking at it, from a spiritual standpoint of what can we do, what can our students do to have an impact where they are every day. And as I said, as we look at this scripture, we'll, we'll look at it specifically from the standpoint of how can we target our schools and what can we do to get involved there. But I, I want you to understand that I think this scripture is, is a blanket scripture that can cover just your life as Jesus sends you out of the different parts of your world each day. And so... A couple of questions that, that, that I'd like to, to ask tonight. I mean, first of all, why should we target our schools? I mean, why should we even care about getting involved in our schools and trying to do anything whatsoever to try to have an impact there? I think, I think two main reasons, and these are, these are not, I don't have a verse for each one of these. This is just the truth. Um, number one, because our kids are there. I mean, our, our kids, and I'm not talking about if you have kids specifically. I'm just talking about our kids. I mean, it, 
you know, we're, we're close to, to East Elementary. We're close to Eastwood Christian Academy. We're, we're close to, you know, the, I mean, Murray's not a big place. You're pretty much close to everything, you know, so we're close. I mean, our kids are there. I mean, if, if they're there, we sure ought to be there. We sure ought to have a presence somehow in the school system, and both public and private, as best we can. We ought to have a presence. And, and you can disagree with me, and, and, and we'll agree to disagree, because I'm going to lovingly tell you I disagree with you. I think we ought to be there. Uh, you, you can say, well, we, we shouldn't be a part of that and so on. And I just think, yeah, you're absolutely right. We've got to be in the world but not of it. But wherever our kids are, we ought to be there. I mean, I say we. I say we as Christians, we as a church, we ought to do something. Public school, private school, whatever it is, we ought to be there as best we can. Because our kids are there, and, and they matter. You, you tell me, if, if you knew that your kids were going into something that they would need help in, you'd be there if you could. I mean, you'd be there for your grandkids. You'd be there for your neighbors if you couldn't. And I think secondly, and probably maybe even more motivating, because Satan's there. Our kids are there, Satan's there. And, and, and he's there. He's got a presence in the schools, there's no question. He's got a presence in, in our, our elementary schools, our middle schools, our high schools. He's got a, he's got a presence on the campus of Murray State University. And, and, and he is at work, and we might as well be too, because we, we, we are engaged in a, in a spiritual battle, and if we don't engage in a battle, then we're going to lose those battles bottom line god's still gonna win the war we know the end of the story and we celebrate in that and yet there's a battle to fight every day and i, I hope that we'll be a part of it and so because we our kids are there we love them because satan is there and, and we might as well engage in a battle we're gonna give up a school to him and i, I don't want to be a part of that i don't want to do that it's not good enough for me it's not good enough for me just to stand back and and just trust that well you know there's good people there and they'll take care it's not good enough it's just really not and and i i think as as a as an individual uh, not only because i've been in the public schools and taught there and, and have kids that are becoming of school age. It's not even just that. It's just, I just think that's where we ought to be. I mean, where, where is the greatest potential for us to engage in a spiritual battle and, and, and see God win some incredible battles? A lot of it's in the school, school system. And so, so maybe, maybe you say, okay, well, you know, I, that's great. I mean, our kids are there, rah, rah, if Satan is there, well, let's go get him. And, and what, but okay, you know, that, what do we do? Turn to, turn to, to the book of Luke. Uh, if you got your Bible, Luke is over in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And I'd like for us to look at, uh, primarily at chapter 10. And I, I want to just kind of give us some, some starting points tonight. I mean, where do we start when it comes to getting involved in our schools? Or, or maybe for you, where do you start in just trying to make an impact in the world that you're at? Maybe, maybe you go to work every day, or maybe you're retired and you're just around a handful of people, but... But you know that they need something from the Lord. I mean, where do you start? And if, if you're the parent of a, of a student who's in school, I want you to look at this from the standpoint of how can I help my kids do this? And, and, and don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you should go and do all this for them because if they don't take ownership for their faith in Jesus, they're, they're going to leave it behind one day, and we certainly don't want that to happen. So how can we help them do this? How can we help the students who come here each and every week to Elm Grove do this? How can we partner with Jeremy, our youth pastor, to help our students go out and do this? How, how can we? And if you're a student, if you're, if you're an elementary, middle, or high school student, I think you ought to really pay attention. And I know some of you, you know, got other things on your mind, all that, but for the next 15 minutes or so, I would encourage you to, to pay attention and kind of think along with me, and, and let's figure some things out. Uh, take a look. Let's back up just a little bit. Um, uh, Look at chapter 9, starting in verse 57. You shouldn't have to turn back very far. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, talking, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. You ever said that to the Lord? 
Man, I'm telling you what, you ain't turning me off. I'll go wherever. You want to send me to Africa? I'm there. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Basically said, you don't know what you're getting into, pal. You want to follow me? That's fine. Life's going to be a little different than you think it's going to be. It's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. But we're going to take you down a road sometimes that maybe is a little bit different than what you thought. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, we can look at that and say, well, good night. I mean, Jesus just getting fired up right there. He's just putting people in their place. The, the truth is this, that where do we start? First thing, no more excuses. No more excuses. You ever, you ever, you ever said to Jesus, man, I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to talk to my neighbor. You know what? I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to talk to that person at school. I mean, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going, to, I'm going to be on that team, and I'm really going to live for the Lord this time. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it at work. I'm really going to do it. And all of a sudden, well, you know, it kind of got hard. I mean, you know, none of those people really understand. I mean, they just don't, they don't get it. I mean, if I do that, you know, somebody's going to think I'm some kind of fanatic, and they're going to think I'm weird. I'm not going to have any more friends, or I might even get fired from this job if I talk about the Lord, or if I, you know, I invite somebody to the church, I and mean, what if it turns them off? I mean, what if, what if that happens? And, and Jesus basically says, look, you got all these excuses, but the truth is I've commanded you to follow me, and we'll figure it out, and it'll be good, and, and I'll take care of all the issues in your life, but don't make excuses. And I know from my life, sometimes I just need to hear, you know what, just quit making excuses. I mean, if, if we're going to have an impact in our community, specifically in our schools, we can't say, well, I don't know how to do that. What do I say? Well, I guess I don't need to go because I really don't know how to take care of it. Or I'm not fully equipped to do that, so I'll let somebody else who's an expert. Maybe the pastor ought to go and do that instead of me, who I know all these people, but the pastor, he's the guy who ought to take care of all that. You ever been there? Well, I tell you, I've been there. I, just, I sometimes just wait on somebody else to take care of stuff. And, and if you're in that boat, don't, don't, don't take my sarcasm as somehow a slam against you. That's not the point. But don't we make excuses? I mean, maybe I'm just not as nearly as spiritual as you are. And, but I, I just sometimes just wait on somebody else. And with that, no more excuses and then no more waiting. And I think primarily waiting on somebody else to do it. Check out in, in chapter 10, uh, in verse... Um, Check it out in verse 2. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. You heard this verse before? But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. We're good at that. I tell you what, I can pray for other people to go out there all day long. God, would you please send somebody to go talk to that person? God, please send somebody to minister to that coach on that team because you got all those boys and they really need the Lord. God, would you please... Raise up somebody in that particular business or that school or, God, my teacher, they just, well, they really need, would you, would you send somebody? I'm good at those kind of prayers. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I really am. God, would you please, please, please. And then what Jesus says is this. Kind of interesting. He just shoots down all of our excuses and all that stuff. I, just, I think it's, it's hard, but it's good. And Jesus says, go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. No more waiting. He says, don't just pray. You can stand and pray all day long. Let me be honest with you about something. We don't have to pray about whether God wants us to go out and talk about Him or not. We don't have to pray about that. It makes it pretty clear in the Scripture. Go. 
We don't have to pray about whether we ought to live out what we say we believe in class every single day, at work every single day. And, and it, we don't have to pray about that. He said, go. I'm sending you. So, so no, more, no more waiting. And I, I think if, we, if we're going to have an impact in our community, and particularly in our schools, I think it's going to involve more than just our students. I think we're going to have to work together. Check it out in verse 1 of chapter 10. We're going to have to work together. After this, Jesus shooting down all their excuses. After this, the Lord appointed 72, and, and some of your versions may say 70. It's, it differs. 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He sent them two by two. Didn't send them alone. I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day, and, and he made an interesting point. He was talking about the spiritual battle that we face in different places. And for some of you, maybe that, that kind of weirds you out or whatever. It, just understand it. It's a reality, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, that there is a spiritual battle, forces of darkness, and, and, and God's side. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not like Star Wars or something. It's real. You know, it's just, it is. And, and, and he was talking about how in, in these dark spiritual places... And he made mention of Murray State's campus as one of those places that can be a very dark spiritual place. God, not all the time, is promoted there. I mean, I should be honest. And, and in our schools, it can be a very dark spiritual place. People just not living for Jesus. And, and he said, he, he made the point, he was talking to me, and he was talking about a, a time where he decided that he was just going to drive up and down a certain few streets in, in the city of Murray at, that he knew were just very spiritually dark places. Some certain groups had all kind of moved in there together, and they had taken over those areas and so on. And so he's driving up and down these streets all the time, just praying and, and all this stuff. And, and then he told me, all of a sudden, things start happening at home. And he's not feeling so well, and his wife's starting to get sick, and they just, it's just weird, and, and just it, and a very spiritual kind of thing's happening. Things got dark at home. And he talks to a friend and says, well, what's going on? And the guy said, you out there doing that stuff by yourself? He said, well, yeah. He said, would anybody tell you to go out there and do that? Well, I felt like God. Are you sure God told you? Well, I don't know. He said, why on earth would you go encounter those sorts of spirits of darkness on your own? And I, I think the truth can, can, can be transferred to this. If we're going to have an impact out in our community, and if our students are going to have any sort of impact in their schools, we've got to help them, and we've got to work together with them. We can't look at it and say, well, they're there, or that's a teacher there, or that, those administrators. We've got a couple of administrators go to our church. Let them handle that. Or Only people who know something about education ought to be involved with that. We, we've got to work together in that. Now, I, what, what's your role in that? I, I don't know. I don't know what your role is. I don't know what your experience, what your bent is, what you're good at, what you can do. But I guarantee you this, you can pray. And you can support those students. And you can be that, that spiritual shield around them. And you can pray them into being dangerous, dangerous Christians that when they engage in that spiritual battle, something happens to the forces of darkness and they take off. We can pray that into our kids. We can pray that into our schools. And so if you leave with nothing else tonight to do but to pray, very, very seriously pray about the fact that we want our kids to be so full of God's Spirit that when they walk into a room, they're not the ones that are scared. They're not the ones who are fearful. They're the ones who cause fear in the demonic forces that are all over that place. That's what I hope our kids are about. And then look at verses 5 and 6. Let, let's just, I'll tell you what, let's, let's read quickly uh, through this. Jesus says, Go, I am sending you, in verse 3, out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone along the road. So they're focused. They're going. They're, they're moving forward. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. 
If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Now, now here's, here's what I believe is, is what we can kind of take from this. When they were to enter the house, they were supposed to, to speak a blessing on the house. They were supposed to, bring, to give them a reason to be welcomed into the house. Now, if they weren't welcomed, obviously, they just move, move on and move somewhere else. But they were, they were there first to figure out a way to get into the house. And, and I think if, if we're going to have an impact on our schools in particular, we've got to find some in with the leadership of those schools. We've got to find a way to get in there somehow. Now, I've been a teacher, and I, and I know lots of, lots of educators and administrators, and, and that can scare some of them. I mean, you really can. You've got a church, and they're going to get into your school, and they have these visions of people standing on the lunch tables with Bibles and thumping all the kids and you know, and trying to overtake their school somehow. I mean, that's just what they think. And I, I'll be honest with you, the truth is some people have done it just so wrong that, that they have good reason to think that. I mean, some people, are, they're just, they go about it the wrong way. I'm trying to be real sensitive here because I'll be honest with you, it kind of makes me angry that folks will get in there and, and then they'll tell the administration one thing, make them feel good about it, and all of a sudden they just turn it around on them. And I, I understand that we serve God's laws and not the laws of our country, but understand what I'm saying if we set somebody up to lose their job, we're going about it the wrong way. We've got to get in somehow and let those people trust us. And so uh, if you think about it, they were supposed to give those people, those host families, their reason to let them into the house. Peace on this house, they were to say. So, so think about this. If we're going to find an in into our community, into our schools and so on, one of the things we've got to think of is, is figuring out what needs do those places have. What, what needs do they have? Think along with me for just a second, all right? If, if you were a school teacher, what needs would you have? What would you hope that somebody would perceive that goes on during your day? That it's hard. It's hard to be in a classroom all day with a bunch of kids that probably most of them don't care to be there. It's hard. They've got a lot of work to do. They don't get paid a ton of money to do it. These are the needs of that school. Maybe they have a need. When crisis hits, who do they call? I don't know. Maybe they have a need for certain kids to be tutored because they, maybe they don't have enough resources to get people in there. I don't know what it is. What are the needs of those schools? You're thinking about a leader, an end with a leadership. Identify the needs. And then, can you meet it? Can you meet that need? You may not be able to, and that's okay, but you can help identify some of the needs. What are the needs of that school? And then, can you meet it? And then, do you know anybody there? You'd probably be surprised. Probably be surprised the people that you're around that you just happen to know somebody. You realize that most of the time, the way that things work is because you know somebody. Think about the jobs you've gotten. Think about the, the, the teams you've been on, the, the situations that have worked out for you. Odds are it's because you knew somebody. Not all the time, but odds are you knew somebody. They helped you out. They got you in contact with the right person. Who do we know in our schools? We have a lot of people here that, that are either employed or have been employed or you know, have kids in there and so on. Who do we know? And then, what can we capitalize on? I mean, if there's something going on at that school, what is it that maybe they don't have leadership for? I talked to a guy down in Georgia when I lived there, and he was a guy who headed up the, what they called, which is a fancy name for landscaping team, they called it the School Beautification Committee. I thought, well, that's pretty sharp. I like that. And so they were going to make the school beautiful, but it was just him. It was just a committee of one. And so I, I talked to him, and he, was, he went to our church. I said, what can we do? And so we, we were in the process of trying to figure out some ways for, you know, spring and fall, different projects. That they, what, what can we capitalize on that maybe there's not leadership for? 
I think above all, we, if we're, if we're going to have an impact in our schools, if our students are going to do that, if we're going to see the doors be opened for Elm Grove and for, for our students to be able to get in there and, and have an impact on those teachers, we simply got to give them a reason to welcome us in. Verse 7 is, is interesting, and Jesus says this, Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Jesus here simply implies that, that when you're going to make an impact in somebody's life, build a relationship for the long haul. Build, build a relationship that's going to last over time. I realize that teachers and administrators and so on can move around in and, and, and your place of employment or the people you're around. Sometimes folks are transferred and all that. But I, I'm just curious what, what kind of impact, what sort of difference we could make if we committed to some schools long term and just said we're, we're going to figure out how to, how to help these people long term. And just see what happens. Build that trust over time. You ever, you ever known somebody who comes in and they're just on fire and they're going to take on the world and, and they're ready to go and about a month later you can't find them anywhere because they just took on too much and they just weren't in it for the long term and all of a sudden, where'd they go? I don't know. And I, I really, I, I think in the, in the long run, boy, if we, if we could invest for a long period of time in a particular school school system, whatever it may be, got a chance to, to do some good. In verse, verse 8 and 9, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick, verse 9, who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. When, when Jesus sent out these representatives of him, so to speak, they were to go out and actually meet the needs of the people. They, I, I wrote it this way, and, and it's not the best way necessarily to put it, but, but love them in a tangible way and tell them why. Love them in a tangible way and tell them why. Think about this. If, if somebody tells you, you know what, hey, I, I care a lot about you, I love you, you just, you're, you're great, but there's no tangible evidence of that. Tangible means something you can get your hands around, you, you can touch, you can see. If all they do is just tell you and there's never any evidence of that, at some point you're probably going to stop believing it. Now, you have to start sometimes with just telling somebody you love them and they've got to trust you. You know, they just got to understand that. But in the long run, we've got to have those tangible, tangible ways to do that. Uh, a while back, if, if you've attended at all on a Wednesday night, uh, you know, from time to time we will send out prayer letters. We'll sign a letter and, and send it to a local business or, uh, you know, whomever, just to let them know we're praying for them. And a few weeks ago, we sent one out to, to uh, East Elementary. And we just signed it, and, you know, no big deal, and, and, and nothing in particular. They didn't send us anything back. It wasn't, no, I don't expect that. And, and, and yet, you know, that was a tangible way to let them know that, that we cared. And I emailed the principal last week, and, and I, my question for her was, is there, is there any openness whatsoever to us coming in and serving breakfast to your teachers? Can we, can we come and do that? Would you be open to that in any way? I just said, I... I know what it's like. I've been a teacher. I understand you may not be open to that. That's totally fine. We just want to know. And she said, well, just tell me when. And so I don't know if she ever even read that letter. I have no idea if she ever read that prayer letter. I don't know if it came to her desk or if it went to the secretary and maybe it got thrown away or it's up on a... I don't know where it's at. But, but what we're going to try to do is follow up and love them in a tangible way. And not only are we going to do that, we're going to tell them why. Now, I'm not going to be there in my suit and tie standing on the table and every teacher that walks in gets a smack in the head with the Bible and 
Do you know Jesus? And do you know if you're going to heaven or hell? They're not going to get that that day. But, but it's interesting that when, when folks say, well, where are you guys from? Uh, well, should I say anything? Should I, tell them. Tell them why in the world you're doing what you're doing. How are people going to know unless they hear? And, and I want to challenge our young people with this. There are, there are far too many people who will go through their, their school years, and they're, they're a Christian, they know it, they walk with God, and they're doing great things. But the unfortunate thing about it is everybody thinks they're just a really good person. Hmm, they're just really nice, aren't they? There's something about them. They're just really sweet. Man, she's just the nicest person. Man, he's a great guy. He'll do anything in the world. And they never know why. Never know why. And the why behind it is the whole point to begin with. Because you can go through life, as you well know, being a great person. It doesn't get you anywhere. But it's the why behind it. Well, you know, coach, you know, when, when the coach says, well, you know, hey, what's up with you anyway, man? Or, you know, what's going on? I used to have coaches all the time who try to get me to cuss. I'm thinking, why didn't they try to get me to cuss? They knew the why behind why I wasn't doing it either. Because I walked with Jesus, and they knew that. And I, I, I had an encounter the other day. You've probably all had these. And I, and I faced a crossroad. You ever been there? You faced a crossroad. Nobody else is going to know what you did except God. But you know you ought to do something. You ought to do the right thing. I was, I was coming back from, from Louisville. I performed a funeral in Louisville this past week and was driving back. And I stopped somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in, in central Kentucky somewhere. And, and, and I, I, I was coming out of the gas station. I had just gone in to, to pay for the fuel that I would bought. I was coming out of the gas station, and one of those guys tracks you down. Hey, hey, sir, 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 can you help me? I thought, oh, my goodness. This guy's going to, you know, what, what does he want? Does he want to ride somewhere? What, you know, it's just an awkward moment, okay? He said, hey, he made up this story. At least that's what I assumed. He made up a story. Hey, I need some gas. Can you buy me some gas? And so, I mean, I'm like, well, how do I know if this guy's legitimate or not? I mean, is he really telling me the truth? He's just making He needed to get to Paducah from wherever he was. He wanted $4 worth of gas. I'm like, he ain't getting anywhere. $4 worth of gas. But I said, okay. Um, and so, you know, I thought, well, whatever. And so, Immediate, you know how you know how sometimes God will just kind of get on you from time to time and, and say something to you. Immediately, I'm reminded of the scripture: if a guy asks you to walk one mile with him, go too. So I, I gave him ten bucks worth of gas, and I thought, well, okay, well, I've done something real good now. And and so he's, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know, and so on. And and I had to go back in because they didn't have the the uh, the little pay at the pump thing, you know. So I go back in and tell the lady, I said, look, I just I wasn't trying to steal gas for this guy. Here's ten bucks. He needed some gas. And, and she kind of looked at me and kind of looked at me funny. You ever get that, you know? Just people surprised why in the world you do something like that. And I just thought, well, you know, okay, God kind of... I knew I'd, the whole rest of two-hour driving, I'd, you know, I'd have to go back and find that guy to buy his gas if I didn't, you know? And so, anyway, she, I was faced when she said something to me. I was faced at a crossroads. Because I had done something because I believed that Jesus wanted me to love on that guy in a very tangible way. And, and this is... I only speak from experience because that's all, that's all I got is just stuff that I've experienced. And, but I walked into the store to pay for this guy's gas, and the lady said, well, you've done your good deed for the day. And there was my crossroads. And I thought, well, I guess I could just leave it at that. Yeah, you know, just you know, good deed every day, you know, whatever. And, and, and I thought for just a second, I thought, you know, I don't know about this lady. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that guy's already gone. I can't talk to him anymore. I don't know what this lady believes. I don't know what she thinks about Jesus. I have no idea. And I don't know why in the world she thinks I just gave that guy that I didn't know and probably, I don't know where he's going on $10 worth of gas. But, I, you know, 
But I, I just told her, I said, well, I said, you know, I said, I said, honestly, I said, everything I have is on loan from the Lord to begin with. And I said, it's just mine to manage for him. And I'll be honest with you, that was a, that was a step for me to take. And, and you might think, well, my goodness, you ought to be way past that by now. I've been, but let me be honest, I'm just human, my goodness. I mean, it, it was one of those things where I just thought, you know, I've got, I'm in a crossroads. I mean, I tried to love somebody in a tangible way, but then the next part was harder. I mean, I, I'm, tell you, I'm good. I mean, we, we can give, we can love, we can do all that. But when it comes to saying why, it makes it a little bit tougher. Why? Because, well, I believe that, that my money belongs to Jesus. I'm just here to manage it. When I get prompted from him, I'm going to give it. That's all I could tell her. I don't know what else to say to her. Why do I live the way I do if I'm a teenager at school? Well, because I believe this is the way Jesus wants me to live. He gave his life for me. I'm going to live for him. Why is it that I want to go next door and try to help somebody out? Well, not so I can be neighbor of the year or citizen of the year in Callaway County. No, it's because I believe the scripture. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, I would be out doing that. And, and I, I want to encourage you, as you love people in a tangible way, do that. Every chance you get, think of a way that they could see that you love them. Not to draw attention to yourself and get thanks and appreciation, but so that maybe you'd have the chance to tell them why. And, and I hope that we'll, we'll be a part of that. How can we do that then in our schools? And we'll, we'll close in just a second. How can we do that in our schools? I, I think each one of us can do something to get involved. Maybe... When we serve breakfast to the teachers at East Elementary here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to email her, and I'm just going to pick a date, and we're going to go do it. Maybe you say, you know, I'll, I'll make something. I'll, I'll, I'll make something. That's fine. I'll do that. Or, or hey, I'll show up. I'll, I'll help you serve that that day. Or I'll just go and smile and say hi to people. What, I, whatever it is, that's one way for you to get involved. Maybe you don't have kids in, in East Elementary. I don't. But we can all kind of get involved with that. We can all do something for that. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you'd say, you know, I'll volunteer somewhere. Maybe next fall, I'm just throwing out ideas. Maybe we pick one night and we go to Murray High one night in Callaway County and we just volunteer at the concession stand. So those parents who, who, are, who are working in there and go watch their kids play ball. I don't know. We can do that. Goodness, that doesn't take a whole lot. A lot of us can get involved with that. Maybe, maybe we can do something to make that place better, whatever it is. Maybe you've got an idea. You know what? If I was running out of school, here's what I'd like to be able to do. Let's figure out if we can do it. Maybe you're just an encourager. And the words you have to write or to say to somebody are powerful. And you'd say, you know what? If I could get a, a list of some of those people, some of those teachers, some of those administrators, I'd write them a note. I don't know them, but I'll write them a note and say, hey, we just want to let you know how much we appreciate what you're doing. And, and I'll, I'll encourage you and love on you a little bit through that. I, it, it's... It's easier, as I said, to just be another good person, but a whole lot harder to tell them why. So let, let's get involved with loving them in a tangible way and, and telling them why. Now look at verse 16. Jesus says this, kind of in closing to these guys. He talked about if they don't accept you, shake the dust off your feet and move on and so on. And then he gets to verse 16 and he kind of wraps all that up and he says, He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. You ever take it personally when somebody doesn't agree with what you have to say about the Lord? You ever get just mad? You ever just, you're just, you're just stupid. You just don't know. You ever do that? I mean, yeah, I've been there. You just get angry with somebody. You don't know what to say. You get all flustered and you just get mad and all that stuff. And you just think, well, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking to you ever again. 
I, I think it's important to remember whom it is that they're actually accepting and rejecting. Because we simply are the messengers. We simply are the people that the Lord sends out. And, and if we somehow feel that if we can only do this, if we, if we, if we, if we, if we, then they'd accept Jesus. Or if we don't do this, well, good grief, they're, they're not going to, you know, or, well, we must have done something wrong because they rejected the Lord. And the truth is, when they reject us, they're rejecting Him, not us. And, and that, to me, takes a little bit of the pressure off. Because then it's a, it's a win-win situation everywhere we go. Because if you, if you win by planting a seed with somebody and later on it, it begins to grow and their faith takes hold, or if you win by getting a, being able to, to actually lead somebody to the Lord in class or on a team or, or through your involvement maybe with a school or something like that, then that's obviously a win. And the Bible also says, Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 5 says, that even if you're persecuted or rejected for going in my name, that you're blessed. So regardless of how you wind up, planting a seed, actually getting to lead somebody to the Lord, or getting rejected, you're blessed all the way across the board. Because the truth is, when we're obedient to God, then it doesn't matter if they reject us, because they're simply rejecting Him. It doesn't matter if they accept us, because thank God, then they're accepting Him, not us. And that's why it's all the more important to tell them the reason why behind it. And then finally, not only to remember whom they're really accepting and rejecting, but finally to celebrate what God has done. Look at verse 17. The 72 or the 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They brought back a report. They had gone out in these different cities and they came back celebrating what God had done. In a, in a few, I guess just a couple of weeks now, uh, we're going to have a, a kind of a three church Thanksgiving deal. Many of you may know about that. It's brand new to me. So if it's brand new to you, we're in the same boat. But, but every year apparently on uh, the Tuesday, I think it is, before Thanksgiving... There are three churches that get together and have a Thanksgiving dinner. And lo and behold, I'm preaching at it this year. found that out. So, And anyway, uh, I started working on the message last night, getting ready for that. But one of the things that, that I will talk, I'll give you a little sneak peek, all right? Since we're here together and, you know, they didn't bring me as their pastor or wherever, so I'll give you a little sneak peek. I'm going to talk about, talk about really celebrating what God has done. And... I want to kind of get a picture in my mind and, and hopefully plant that in your mind of, of how incredible it would be if, if ever so often, if because God did so much through this body, through our students, in our schools, in our community, just saving lost people around us and, and helping them understand about Jesus a little bit more. If God did so many incredible things that, that we had to every once in a while just stop and, and we couldn't continue just doing what we're doing. We had to stop and just celebrate what God is doing. We literally had to have a service just to talk about how much stuff God had done. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes those times seem to be few and far between. And, and I don't know how much of it is just God really just leading us through a path sometimes that's just hard or how much of it is us not, just not doing what God has commanded us to do. I, I don't know, but I know that, that when we do what God wants us to do and and His Spirit starts working, and there's stuff that's going to happen that we're going to celebrate. And I'd love to see for our, for our students, our elementary, middle school, our high school students, our college students, I'd love to see for us to somehow come up with some creative way, and trust me, I have nothing in mind here, just some creative way to celebrate what God is doing through their lives. The reports they bring back, you won't believe this. This person, I thought they'd never talk about God. I mean, I brought it up in class. They started talking about it. Is that amazing? Celebrate 
Well, God is number. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe this coach. Stop cussing around me. Well, that's, in, that's incredible. I didn't think they cared about anything about God. But they said, well, you know, I know you follow God, maybe not respectful. I don't know. What would it be that we'd celebrate? What would it be that we'd celebrate through serving breakfast to the teachers at East Elementary? Who knows? Celebrate what God has done. Maybe, again, you, you say, well, I'm not in school. I'm pretty far from school. I don't have any kids or grandkids right now in school. But again, as I told you, you can leave with at least one thing to do tonight. You can leave with, with the, the desire and the, and the commitment to go and to pray to, that our students would be made dangerous for the Lord. And by, by that, I simply mean they would be so full of God and desire to, to, to do His will wherever they go that when they walk into a room, the temperature of that room changes. There's something that happens because they're there. That spiritual battle that goes on gets turned in God's favor because they show up. And it's not about our kids. It's certainly about God and His mission and us trying to fulfill it. But I don't know what your part can be. I know we have, because we have been created by the most creative being ever, we have creative people in our church who have great ideas, who may not have a student in that particular school or even in the school system, but you can come up with a great idea. What if we did this? And trust me, just because you come up with an idea doesn't mean that you have to be in charge of everything. Okay? Love you enough to just know sometimes people come up with good ideas and they may want to take it and go with it or it, may, it just may be a good idea that we need to start thinking about. All right? So don't be scared to mention an idea. I'm not going to say, well, hey, you thought of that. Why don't you go run it? All right? I just want to see how, how can we get so creative in reaching out to our community, in particular our schools, where there are, I think in the Murray system, 20-something hundred and 30-something hundred in the Callaway system. 5,000 students. That's a lot of kids. How can we get creative enough, care enough, be passionate enough, be broken enough before God to say, That's, <laughs> we want to do something about that. So if nothing else... And please don't just leave it at this, but if nothing else, pray for our kids. Pray for our schools. Pray that God would do something incredible. And then begin to think creatively about how we can do that. I don't have all the answers, whether that's good, bad, or otherwise. I don't have them all. And so it's going to come from us. We're going to have to work together to make this happen. But then we'll together celebrate what God has done. We're going to close with a song, and I, I want you to... As, as we do that, Jan, if you don't mind just to kind of play something for just a second. Um, I, I, w- I would like to do this. If, if we could, if, if you are if you're here, I'm not going to make you give a speech, anything like that. But if you're here and you are a student in, in a school right now, elementary, middle school, high school, or college. If you're, if you're in a school, would you, would you do me the favor? And I, I, trust me, I'm not going I'm, I'm to make you give a speech. I just I want you to make sure that you are around some somebody. So guys in the back, if you don't mind just to kind of come up this way just a little bit, just kind of find yourself a seat. If you if you are physically or relationally close to one of these particular students, do me the favor. I want you to go and just put a hand on their shoulder. Uh, put an arm around them, something like that. And we're going to pray for our students right now before we leave. I know not all of our students are here. You may have another one in mind. I want you to, to do that. So if you're physically able to get up, great. If not, pray where you are. That's no problem. But get around some of our students, if you would.
tell you what I'd like to do. I, I would, would like for you that are around those students to pray specifically for them for just a couple of seconds, and then I'll kind of wrap things up, and then we'll sing, kind of celebrate on our way out, all right? So take 30 seconds or a minute and, and just pray for them specifically. If you want to pray out loud, please do that. If not, don't worry about it. But pray for them specifically. Father, we, we count it a privilege to have young people in our church. We really do. And so, God, as we've got our hands placed on the shoulders or just a, our arms around one of our students, God, we, we pray for not just protection from the world, but God, we pray that you would make these students dangerous in the world. They would come to know you in such a way that each day that their one desire would be to please you in everything they do they'd be drawn close to you, that they would see you for who you really are, that you love them, that you are the, the one who cares more about them than anybody in this world, that Jesus, you gave your very life for them. May they see that in a fresh new way every day. God, as they encounter different people who don't believe what they believe, I pray you'd give them the, the strength to remain faithful to their beliefs, to their convictions. God, I pray they not just go through the motions of being a good person, but that their goodness be a byproduct of their deep love for you. God, for the teachers, the coaches, the other students they'll encounter, I pray that you would give our students what it takes to love those people in a real way and, and the courage to tell them why. May they not just be good people, but dangerous people for you. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. And draw them close to yourself. Thank you again for the young people here. We lift them up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, let's stand and we'll close in a, in a hymn and be out of here. 285.